Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is a force to be reckoned with. Currently, she spends her day as the Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at Nixon Peabody, an AM Law 100 firm, where she focuses on brand strategy, digital business transformation, as well as client engagement and growth. A brand builder, storyteller, devoted client partner, collaborator, co-inspirer, co-conspirer, which I love, or conspirator, <laughs> business driver. She has extensive experience in brand and reputation strategy and execution, operations, talent development, and culture building. Outgoing and committed to success, both hers and others. She's a founding member of Chief, and I'm hopeful, hopeful she's putting pressure on the org to start a Canadian chapter. Yeah. She also sits on the executive, executive board for Fast Company. Driven, passionate, always up for an adventure, which is how we met. She's known for her 4th of July parties on the coast and loves to travel. I am so excited to have her on the show. Welcome, Danielle Page. Thank you so much. And that was like quite the intro. I, I was like, who is she talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Thank you, my you. friend. <laughs> I love it. Happy summer. How are things? Happy, happy summer to you. Um, things are busy. Um, I think I said to you just a few moments ago, I still live in that fantasy that once it's warm out, things will slow down a bit. And every summer, it's always the same. We seem to be busier and busier. Um, you know, for me though, I wouldn't really have it any other way. I hate the idea if I was coming to the office or, you know, had my full team in and we didn't have much to do. It feels like a waste. So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fortunate in turbulent times that things are always busy. Well, and I guess as chief growth officer, the fact that you're busy, you're doing your job. So that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the legal landscape has been, in really a bit of an evolution since I joined about four years ago. Um, a lot of focus on top line revenue and maintaining unit value, which is, you know, that sort of profitability, you know, marker at law firms. And firms are innovating and thinking about how to do that in a new way. But, you know, if you consider the sort of post pandemic environment, we have really had to adapt um, not only how we market, how we brand ourselves, but really, you know, take a real reset around putting that customer or client at the center of like every decision that we're making. So um, lots going on, lots of change. Um, but I love that. It, it's invigorating and kind of keeps me um, on my toes and thinking forward. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We, we, we're finding the same, having the same conversations with, with others across various industries too, which is interesting. The fact that um, you know, I'm hearing that from, you know, you're sharing that with me from the, from the law perspective. I'm hearing that from manufacturing. I'm hearing it from tech and from, from FI, financial institutions, that, you know, it, people are kind of not, I don't know if struggling might be a too strong of a word, but figuring out the new way forward. And we've been yeah. talking about, you know, I founded a, a company, uh, 12 years ago on customer centricity and customer experience. So you'd think that would have been just, that's just a, well, of course, duh, that's what we do. But 
you know, companies that were lagging, I think, are, are doubling down on that a little bit and, and finding a different way of engaging and, and differentiating. I think that's the big thing, right? Because yeah. how do you, I mean, especially like take your industry, how do you differentiate from a law firm? <laughs> like, that's really- Well, that's the uh, magic bullet. But, um, you know, I, I, what I will say is client engagement as a sort of formalized discipline in the legal industry, in the AMWAL 100. I think the sort of top, the very top of the AMWAL 100 has figured that out, has allowed them to grow into the multi-billions, which is always like staggering to me. Um, And the rest of the AMWAL 100, which is the top 100 law firms in the United States, um, you know, they have been on a fast track to try to figure out what makes sense for the firm, for their partners, for their clients from an engagement standpoint. And you'll see firms that different, excuse me, differentiate themselves by things like, you know, high touch or, you know, white glove or, uh, you know, customized experience and a lot of stuff that you and I as marketers have heard for two decades. (laughs) Yeah. For the attorney population though, I think that is a, a sort of new way to think about how they approach building a portfolio, maintaining clients over the long term. So removing themselves from that transactional quote unquote, meaning that they are just focused on the matter at hand and then they move on to how do we develop a multi-service, multi-offering relationship with a client over the long term where we're increasing share of wallet and increasing our own market share in a particular industry. So I think that is why legal in particular is at a really important sort of development point in its uh, maturity relative to clients. Well, it sounds exciting and it sounds right up your alley, but before we dig <laughs> yes. into how you figured out how to do all that stuff, um, I have as no my idea. audience knows, I always ask my question, my guests the same four questions. So let's dig into those. Okay. So what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Um, So like a lot of little girls who went to dancing school, and I I danced from the time I was two till the time I was about 22, um, I I sort of always wanted to be a ballerina. Um, It was the 80s, though, so I really wanted to be more like a solid gold dancer. If you remember that show, it was incredible, (laughs) right? The the high, you know, wasted leotards, I thought it was like the coolest thing. But realistically, I think if I thought about a career that I could pursue, it was um, I wanted to be an attorney. And the sort of wild thing is that I didn't have any attorneys in my immediate life at that time. But, you know, we saw attorneys sort of pervasively in pop culture. So in books and a lot of TV. And I I think I became kind of acutely aware of their role in society. And I can distinctly remember being a little kid thinking I would be great at that um, with no like real context. But uh, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be an attorney. Well, the fact that, you know, <laughs> recognizing because you do have that you have that personality, you're, per, you know, you're persuasive and you're energetic and your attention to detail. I mean, just even, you know, the short time that we spent together when we were in um, in Utah, um, you, that would have been great. Although I think your creative side might've got yeah. stifled a little bit. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, so I will tell you a little backstory. So 
high school. And uh, when I went to college, I was a political theory major and Italian studies. And I thought, right, this is a great segue into law school. And, um, you know, got to the end of undergrad and thought, wouldn't that be horrible? Um, I lived in Italy for about a year, um, you know, studying language and just sort of it cracked open this creative part of me that I think I had not really wanted to own from a kind of career perspective, but it it made me stop and I didn't apply to law school at that time. And I thought, you know, I'm going to follow my instincts and, and try some other things. But it was something in the back of my mind that I always thought like, man, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But if I ask attorneys here at the firm, they say like, your job is way cooler than ours. <laughs> Oh, hands down. Hands yeah. down. <laughs> so who do you remember being the first big influence in your life? Yeah, um, I, I would say my first big influence was definitely my mom. Um, so she was a single parent who was a waitress who put herself through undergrad with two young daughters. Um, my mom went on to become a really extraordinarily well-respected scientist. Um, she's an incredibly determined person who was always like super honest and real about what was going on in our lives. Um, <clears throat> I can remember she used to say to me like, Danielle, you were born an adult. Uh, but I think a lot of that sort of early maturity came with seeing how hard she worked to achieve her goals and what that really meant for us and for our futures. And I think that was uh, just an enormous inspiration in my life. Sounds absolutely inspiring and, and that she back then, I mean, it's, it's different yeah. now, but I think back Late then, 70s. you know, being, being clear and saying, listen, like, and treating you like an, an adult, giving yeah. you the opportunity to understand what was going on and, and make smart choices. Uh, I think, you know, kids who had that privilege, um, even if it's, who was a more difficult upbringing situation, um, single parents, my heart and, uh, kudos go out to them because it's hard enough doing it with two, let alone doing it on your own. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, and somebody yeah. who, you know, she had like a clear vision of what she wanted her life to become and knew that it wasn't that, but, you know, she just sort of put all of her grit into making it happen. Um, and I, I truly applaud that. Is there a song that epitomizes your career? <laughs> I love this question. Um, there is, and it's Do You Believe in Magic the by The Love and Spoonful. And let me tell you why. So um, I think my career has been driven by an unrelenting sort of belief in myself and in what I could achieve. Um, and I think that to do that sort of like took some magic to get there. Um, I felt like I was... I don't know, destined to do something important or big or something that sort of really mattered. Um, so in that way, my career has felt a lot like magic. Um, I spent the better part of, call it almost 15 years at big agencies. And there you're surrounded by really some of the most creative, inspiring people out there, right? They shape industries, they create beautiful creative, they are really just driving strategy. Um, and for me, as somebody who was absorbing all of that, I can always, you know, sort of remember saying like, this career is totally magic. 
Um, I think today I'm in a different place because I have the opportunity to inspire others to find that sort of own magic in their careers by doing something that they love. And I think my role is really to help them lean into that feeling of belief in themselves. And that is also like a bit of magic. So having someone in your corner who pushes you to believe that you can uh, is an such a gift that you can give that so many people I'm coming to realize didn't have in, in their lives yet. Definitely. The commonality, I think you are number 53 of my episodes and it is a thread that runs through all of the conversations that I've had in that there was somebody somewhere, whether it was a kindergarten teacher, whether it was a middle school coach, whether it was, you know, high school guidance counselor, professor, doesn't matter. <clears throat> there's they've everyone that I've speaking spoken with every single woman has had that they've 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 looked back and said there was somebody who helped them and they're paying that forward now so uh fantastic that you recognize that yeah it's a special thing and I love to see that in you know people who have followed me from agency to agency now to Nixon Peabody I just feel so you know, fortunate that people trust me in that way. So I owe it to them. You know, it is my responsibility. Right. Yes. So what words, what three words would you use to either describe you or your career combination thereof? I would say um, energetic, uh, optimistic, and relentless. Yep. I would agree with those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, uh, this career has definitely required a lot of energy. And I think like so many people's careers, you have a lot of roadblocks and challenges as you move up. So that requires a, a tremendous amount of optimism, right? You have to look forward and say, I can get through the the tough thing today, this business challenge, if we didn't meet our numbers or our goals or et cetera, sort of how do we move forward? And, you know, the relentlessness for me is that just sort of, I don't know, it, it's a, it's an ambition, something that is like fired within me. I just, I was going to say insatiable, but I hate that <laughs> term because I am satisfied sometimes. So I right. think re- relentless in the best way. So you've been at uh, Nixon Peabody for a couple years now, or three years now, yep. three years, almost four. Yeah, um, it'll be four in October. Yep. You've you've done your own thing as the founder thing. You've been part of the big agency, like you said, for fifteen years or so. You've, you know, you, you've gone to Italy for a year, which, <laughs> yeah. wow, oh my gosh, amazing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's <clears throat> definitely on my bucket list to spend some extended time there. What has your journey your career journey been like? Has it been purposeful? Have you sort of set the path and had a plan? Has it been more opportunistic? How do, how do you go from, you know, political studies and Italian <laughs> to being the chief marketing and growth officer for a major international law firm? Um, I wish that was like a simple answer. Um, <laughs> what I would say honestly, is that I trust my instincts. Um, I think I have been sort of guided by this inner drive to find work that was inspirational to me, that materially impacts the company I'm with or my clients or an industry. Um, You know, funny, 
you know, when I was just sort of starting out, I used to say to myself, like, I want to be in the C-suite and not actually having <laughs> any idea what that meant. But it was like this long-term goal that I just sort of kept kind of climbing toward. And I knew that I had to amass a variety of experiences and skills and, um, you know, exposure to, to all kinds of business problems and strategy in order to get there and do it well. Um, I would say the path has been winding. Um, I, I think I've taken steps back in order to take bigger steps forward in the future. And those are always like really tough kind of pills to swallow, right? You know, you're either going to take a financial step back, or you're going to leave a situation that isn't either emotionally healthy for you, or the work doesn't feel right in order to do something later. But um, I've certainly tried and failed and dusted myself off. Um, but I think I always keep in mind that I have to put one foot in front of the other. I try to keep a lot of perspective um, in the day to day. And I say to my staff all the time, like be the swan. You can float like very gracefully on the top of the water while your little legs are, you know, swimming below the surface and pumping really hard. Um, so I think my career has been a lot of that. It's, you know, a combination of resilience and determination, but a belief that I could always sort of accomplish what I wanted if I stayed true to to what I believed in. Um, and I think that, like I said, is around doing work that inspires me and inspires others that is, you know, really materially impactful for a company um, and, and for the people around me. So I, I think I was driven by those principles. Um, I was really fortunate also um, during my tenure at Fleischman Hillard. So I joined Fleischman uh, after I left Keene, um, uh, really to focus on big tech accounts. Um, so that, that was great. And I, at the time, was lucky enough to have some folks in leadership that knew that, for, for a lack of a better phrase, like they had to get out of my way because I wanted more clients and I knew how to build a portfolio. And then when I was doing that well, I wanted a bigger team. And, you know, I just had this real desire for growth. Um, and it wasn't growth for just the sake of that, but I knew that what I was building was important for that agency and was important for the people on my team and for those clients. And I always sort of kept the people kind of in the in the center of my vision. And I knew that if I was focused on the relationship, focused on building things that were, you know, really grounded in trust and grounded in something that was long term, um, that that I would sort of ultimately be successful. So, you know, nine, almost 10 years at Fleischmann, um, that was not an easy decision to leave. Um, but I sort of had come to a place at the agency where there were some leadership changes going on. And I was at a moment personally where I felt like I can take a big risk and it might blow up in my face. And I you know, might not succeed, but I, I have to give this a try. And it was an opportunity to, to join MSL, which is um, a, an agency owned by Pulisys Group that at the time needed a, a, a transformation. So um, I joined a couple of other executives to really focus in on transforming that business. And, 
Kathy, I have to tell you, it was like some of the toughest work I have ever done, but that prepared me for everything I'm doing at Nixon. Um, and I'm also a first time CMO at, in a law firm uh, or for myself, not the first CMO ever of a law firm, but <laughs> first time I'm doing it. So I think I have had, I don't know, a ton of maybe faith or guts or hubris or ego or some combination <laughs> of that to say, I'm going to give it a try. And if I fail, I'm going to brush it off and find something else and do it better the next time. Um, so I think I've really sort of been focused in on, uh, on that. That was a very long winding answer. <laughs> no, it's exactly, exactly what, you know, the audience wants to hear that it wasn't a direct path that, um, oh, you know, own, owning, owning the stumbles and not letting yeah. them keep you down is a really important message because often yeah. we're afraid to take <clears throat> the risks you know, the what if is a, is a really big, you know, yeah. cloud that can hang over you. Do you see, you know, reflection is, is so much clearer than, yeah. you know, pro prognosticating. So looking back, was there a defining moment, a decision, something that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career? Uh, so there are, are many things I think that, that, had influenced it. Um, and I just want to go back to something I think I kind of just realized as I was explaining that journey to you and some of the risks I took, you know, I think we hold ourselves back because we're afraid like, oh, we're going to make a little less money or somebody is going to think we're a failure or, you know, if we don't make it, what does that say about, you know, uh, us as women in the context of our social group or our family or whatever. And, I'm somebody who came from no money, um, you know, put myself through school, didn't have any advantage. So I fundamentally believe that money comes to you, that you got to just keep working and you're going to get there. Um, sure. Would I love it to be the Brinks truck, but you know, that's not always <laughs> going to happen. So I just always believed that I, I was going to work hard enough. So that sort of financial part of it was going to, you know, work. The second part of that is this idea that we're reflecting this sort of false image that we think people have of us, right? P people judge us by our career or our status. And I think that is, it's not fair to other people because it ends up, you end up only giving them a portion of yourself of what you have to give um, because you're so sort of focused in on, oh, I got to show up and look right and have the right job and be successful every time. Um, but I think I, I didn't feel that way because people were more important to me. Like the relationships I was cultivating became sort of paramount. So if I go back to this question you just asked me, I think really early in my career, I realized how important relationships and influence are to growing and sort of succeeding in business. Um, I had like the most amazing very first boss. Um, he was uh, late 60s, a big Turkish guy who no one wanted to work with. Um, and when he hired me, he was like, we'll see how this goes. But what he taught me in those first few years of my career, I have carried through, you know, the past 25 years. And that was about really putting trusting relationships with my clients, with my colleagues, with people at the center of everything. And 
I, I just don't veer away from that. And I think that has guided so much of what I've done. Um, the networks I have, the friendships I, I have garnered. And I'm somebody, I, we always joke, like, uh, you know, once you're friends with me, I'm really hard to shake. So, <laughs> you know, I try to keep people with me for, you know, the, the lifetime. Um, and that's because I, I try to bring my whole self and I hope people do the same. I love that. Once you're with me, I'm hard to shake. <laughs> yeah, I'm hard to shake. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to try and shake you. So you're stuck with Thank me. Thank you. I can't wait to visit too. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> As you mentioned, and, and we've talked about your time at Fleshman's, your time with the Publicis Group, um, and now at Peabody, what what's your current role like? What gets you up in the morning? What are some of the challenges and compromises that you're seeing now that maybe not even when you started four years ago were there. I mean, yeah. you certainly started at an interesting time. So kudos <laughs> for you for yeah. making that jump at the time that you did. But, you know, what does it look like today? Yeah. Um, so I think as the chief marketing officer of an AMLAW firm, AMLAW 100 firm, you know, you got to understand the context. That means I have more than 600 partners who all have a vested interest in everything we do from a marketing standpoint every single day, because that directly shapes how they grow their own client portfolios, the success of their career, their reputation, and broadly the success of the firm. So imagine having like 650 bosses all with an opinion. Yeah. Um, so the days are, you know, fast and complex often i think at this level is so much of it is about moving the barriers out from folks who might not feel like they can say no or say yes or can get to a solution um i think much of it is about understanding the broader um the effects of the decisions that we're making as a firm. So how that affects all of the people that, that both work here and that we serve as our clients, how that impacts all of the communities that we serve. Um, part of what we've done since I've joined was a, a rebrand of the firm and um, it, it, the firm sort of tagline and our mission is around creating positive impact for our clients, for our people and our communities and for the firm. And those four constituencies really are the filter by which I make every decision every day. I think first, will this have a positive impact on one of those four stakeholders? And if it doesn't, why am I making that decision? So it sort of gives me this space to be both strategic, but help empower all of the teams around the firm to make decisions that are you know, in service of our growth and of our mission and, you know, our sort of aspirational goals as a firm. Um, if I think about what wakes me up in the morning, um, if you haven't noticed, uh, the people are really my why. Um, I know that if I'm doing it right with the team, they will produce outstanding work that's, you know, meaningful to the business, meaningful to their careers, and important to them as people. Um, so that 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 why that that knowing what that is fundamentally wakes me up, makes me happy, keeps me inspired. Um, 
big challenges. I, uh, God, managing a business with purpose at its center um, and balancing that with the need um, for profit and performance and keeping my eye on sort of those long-term goals. Um, it is a challenge. That's a challenge for so many modern C-level executives. You know, we are really trying to keep ourselves authentic to the culture, authentic to our strategy, really grounded in what matters. And you're always up against that. You know, are we delivering at the right levels from a performance stand, standpoint? That is a crossroads. Yeah. And that's, that's, something, yeah, that's the tough know, one. Yeah. You know, the, the, as, as the old saying goes, culture will eat strategy for breakfast every single time. Every time. Against each other, right? And so f- building a strategy and congratulations, you, because of the rebrand, you've won like hashtag all the awards. So well done. <laughs> yeah, we've been, we've been doing well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, well done you and your team. And I know you would share the, the kudos. So to the team as well. Um, fantastic. I and the will. site is, is great. Uh, so, you know, it, it sounds like you're in your happy spot. You've worked your tail off to get to where you are. You've made the sacrifices uh, like you said, you've stumbled, fallen, picked yourself up and, and, you know, gone yeah. up to bat again and swung again. So if you weren't in the marketing space, if you weren't doing what you would do, what's Danielle's alter ego and, you know, money location is not in question. It's, you know, what would oh, you man. be? Doing? Um, I, I, this would be no less stressful and I don't say this lightly, but I would be a chef. Um, And I think you and I, when we first met, we talked about sort of loving both food and cooking and, you know, that, that creative outlet. But um, I I think I was sort of one turn of the dial away from, you know, owning a restaurant and, you know, and being a chef. I just find such an enormous amount of, you know, pleasure and satisfaction in, you know, serving other people in doing something that is like a beautiful experience. I would come. <laughs> I would love that. I well, would when you absolutely come to my house, come I'm going to come for I, you. I got to say, I know the perfect guy for the front of the house. Your I husband would be like, oh my God, so in his element. Oh my God, Mr. Charming, right? Absolutely. All the charisma. So there you go. He can he can organize the front of the house. You got the back of the house. You guys would be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I don't know. Does Boston need any new restaurants? <laughs> God, in my spare time, right? I think we're happy, like, cooking at home for our friends. And, you know, I feel like I still have that, that outlet. Um, and maybe if it were my other professional life, it might kill some of what I love about it. But, um, you know, if I'm not at the office or traveling, I I have a cookbook in my hand. I'm thinking about like, I'll wake up on a Saturday morning and say, oh, you know, I had an idea that I could do blah, blah, blah. And it's totally not uncommon that I'm in the kitchen at seven o'clock in the morning experimenting with something. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice for life, career, happiness, whatever you'd like to share? Sure. I would say set a goal for yourself, for your life that feels scary. And by scary, I mean something that feels incredibly aspirational, but something that also feels like it would take some degree of magic to achieve. Um, 
But, you know, sort of while you're on your path to that, don't ever lose sight that all of the small steps, while difficult, while thankless at times, all of those steps that you're taking are often what make the most difference in getting to the goal. So you might not, you know, get a trophy for every proposal you do or, you know, thing that you achieve, but know that all those little steps, all that great work is going to get you there ultimately. But it's about setting that sort of big goal for yourself and being unafraid to to do that. Um, I think both in business and in life, and I, I think I've said that this a couple of times, so I'm repeating myself, but relationships and people are paramount and never lose sight of the fact that no matter what business you're in, no matter what aspirations you have, that your life and your work will matter because of the impact that you have had on other people. That's such a wise piece of advice in that we often, you know, we do things for others. It's not that we're only out for ourselves, but we often don't consider the little things we do and how they impact others. You know, something as simple as opening a door or, you know, paying it forward and buying somebody a coffee or, you know, asking somebody to present in a meeting where you know it would be better, faster, stronger if you did it because you're of you're course. you're just that much more practiced at it and whatnot. But giving those people the opportunity and putting yourself in their shoes um, to enable that, I think, is is really really sound advice. Yeah, it, it really matters to people, and you know, never forget the the sort of importance of gratitude in that. Right? Just right. I think people want to be seen they want to be recognized and thank you for your work thank you for your voice thank you for your contribution thanks for walking into my office and sharing what happened on your weekend like those things matter and that all comes back to relationships it it really does indeed so where can people find you where's the are you are you doing any speaking or writing so i have Nothing, no, no speaking coming up at the moment, probably in the fall. Um, I'm going to take a little time off in July and August to recharge the batteries, but um, you can always find me on LinkedIn, um, obviously through our nextinthebody.com website. Um, I'm on Instagram, so happy to have any new followers, um, but please reach out. Uh, as you mentioned, Kathy, I'm also a founding member of Chief. So if you're a Chief member, connect with me <laughs> on Chief as well. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Yeah, connect. <laughs> We're coming to Canada. <laughs> uh, eventually. I'll be retired by then, but that's okay. <laughs> Danielle, thank you so much for today's conversation. Uh, from the minute we met in Utah, I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast to share your story. Your energy is absolutely infectious. And, oh. you know, it just, I don't, I don't gravitate to people quickly, but there was an energy about you that I just, as you said, you know, <laughs> it's like a magnet <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm glad you're not going to shake me anytime soon. So no way so we, we knew even by the conference app that we would be best friends. So that's right. I'm happy yeah. to have you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was wonderful. And I really enjoyed it and so appreciate your time. And just to have a podcast like this where women can hear other women's stories, I think is so valuable to all of us. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Danielle and hearing about how when you believe in yourself and others and don't let others put you in a box and limit what you know 
or even think what we know we can accomplish, there's nothing we can't achieve. And in paying it forward and helping others, you achieve even more. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart? How the